Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. Yes, you are. And today we're going to talk about adapting your property to climate change, or will I be growing tomatoes, tomatoes, <laughs> will I be growing oranges in Duluth? So Annie, will I be growing oranges in Duluth? And am no. I making light of a serious thing? Well, <laughs> which question first? I have no idea. Just keep answering yes, yes, no, you are. no, no, and yes, you are. Okay. Um, so, well, so we're not just really talking so much about a person's property. Uh, what we're going to really talk about is that this is a collective effort for. Yes, you personally, but also with your neighbors and your community. And if you don't make those connections, then it is the end of the world. Okay, well, so. let's back up just a little bit. And, and what are we talking about when we're talking about climate adaption? Uh, no, it's not adaption. It's adaptation. adaptation. There's adaptation. a difference. Okay. So, so adaptation, climate change adaptation really refers to the ability to adapt to gradual changes in the climate. So we're, our, while they have speeded up, and we do know they're continuing to speed up because of um, uh, the environment being impacted by mainly fossil fuels coming from vehicles and industry and, and agriculture, uh, what we do know is that we don't have a choice. And it's always good when humans don't have a choice because they make <laughs> bad choices when there's no choice there's there's um when we don't everything. have a choice that's when we finally choose that's right, right because <laughs> we have too many options in america so so one of the things that is that we're really talking about is something called abiotic factors and they're very specific to climate so they're not um it's not like rain water that kind of thing we're talking about atmosphere and that those kind of issues they're not really the tangible but they are the issue okay so this is another distinction because i know we always hear about the distinction between the weather and the climate because the weather changes you know daily hourly minutely right. so and sometimes you get a cold snap sometimes you get a high but we're talking about long-term factors and now you're making another distinction you're saying okay we're not just talking about you know weather patterns but we're talking about like fundamental changes in the atmosphere am i am i hearing well that right? that's what our hope is that's what we're trying to do and then in the adaptation mode we're saying all right we want to we want to impact this atmosphere but what we've got to do is keep everything alive, not everything. We have to pick and choose now. What's going to, what do we think based on science models is going to make it through this tube we're being pushed through? But isn't that the problem is that we change the atmosphere? I mean, we created a yeah. greenhouse Okay, effect. we'd like to think. Now we want to change it back. Yeah, we have. Well, actually, I don't think we <laughs> wanted to change the atmosphere. I think industry and government helped us do that with our consumption okay. and so forth. So what we're trying to do now, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I want to have a disclaimer. This is like a spoiler alert, is that mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on this, oh. but I am keenly... But you play one on TV, right? <laughs> yeah, no. no, I don't play one on TV, but I... I am fascinated by the idea of how we can influence, well, human beings, that's always been of interest to me, to make the right choices. But then how can we now uh, influence how plants and insects 
and wildlife and critters so forth um, can be influenced to help us with this issue that's on us right now. It's like in us, it's everywhere. And we're just still almost at the point of ignoring it. So this isn't about a Paris Accord where all these countries make promises because at the end of the day, you know what? It ain't going to happen that way. Mm -hmm. So so now to me, it's like, all right, how do we hunker down to this local idea of what's in my periphery? What do I see in my life, my neighborhood, my community that is influenced by the environment? And then what can I do about it? So, So what I want to talk about is ecosystem-based adaptation. So mm -hmm. we're saying, how do we create some kind of adaptability in these different areas like wildlife, insects, soil? Okay, so we're faced with this challenge. How yeah, do, we're faced how do we with deal? It. How do we All right, deal? Well, there are three approaches that we can choose from. And mm -hmm. this isn't to say we're just going to do one or the other, because like you like to say, well, something's happened over here. Something else is happening over here. The main thing is we want to we identify what's coming and then we want to in some way prepare mm -hmm. so there are three kinds of approaches that science likes to talk about especially when it comes to um uh like forestry which is the thing that i've been mainly interested in as far as this is concerned and and agriculture so the first one is resistance and that's what we've pretended to do since probably the 1950s when the guy said uh, you know, we're going to have peak oil on this year and blah, 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 blah. So we, we shut him down and we said, we're going to resist. But what it really is, is we're trying to defend the systems that exist and determine what system change we're willing to tolerate as if, as if it's within us to decide that. For instance, restoration of a natural fire area where um, a cat we want to make that area uh, less likely to be uh, destroyed by fire. So this is going to be a big issue we're facing. We already face it, but it's going to it's going to grow. So how do we reduce human exposure to those hazards and how do we help the forest to be managed better so that we don't experience those things that that really influence humans. The second one is resilience. And this is the one that we talk about a lot, <clears throat> which is modifying systems to respond to the changes that help them bounce back. And, and it may be they bounce back in a different way or a modified way, but they didn't completely go away. They just made it to the, to the end. So for instance, giving rivers more space allows for storage of more water in the natural system and also um, deals with the extreme weather events where we could avoid flooding if we were changing. So these are kind of like, it, it seems to me there's a subtle distinction. You can say, okay, something's going to come and we're going to try and stop it from happening. That's the first one. And we find that resistance, I mean, Mother Nature always seems to win, right? You can't, you can't stop these things from happening. Right. Even but here's though, the stupidity of this argument. Not you arguing uh -huh. it, but... No, I'm, I'm fine with being stupid. Okay, well, but so think about Miami Beach, Florida. Uh -huh. they, they are below sea level now. Sure. So when it rains, there's nowhere for the water to go. So it floods yeah. everything. So, but all these, this expensive real estate that, you know, billions of trillions of dollars worth of real, uh, real estate. So they decided let's build like a flood wall kind of thing. Sure, sure. And as they're building it, the water is coming over the top. It's like, it's total yeah. baloney. Well, I remember when we lived in Florida, 
you know, a, a property would flood. So they would bring in a bunch of landfill or whatever, raise it up three feet. Then their next door neighbor would flood because they're creating a little yes. island. Yeah. So you're just sort of that. Okay. We know that process just doesn't work. You can't stop mm. the ocean by, you know, building up a, a three foot wall. It's, it's just not going to happen. So then you say resilience, you say, okay, now we need to sort of say, okay, these things are going to happen. How can we cope with it better? Am I well, hearing some, you right? Yeah, but some of the, so in the resilience model, and again, using Miami Beach, so what they're saying is, all right, we're going to have water in the bottoms of the buildings, mm -hmm. so let's just say, okay, we're going to have, even in, though that building was not meant. Indoor swimming pool, baby. <laughs> but, but the other problem with that is then they continue to build. Sure, sure. So they're in total mode of, yeah, we can resist this. Yeah. So resilience would be, okay, let's try and build our buildings to withstand floods. Let's not, you know? let's not build buildings okay. where it's going to do that. That, that sounds like be, the third one. Right? That could be transition, mm -hmm. but it's, again, that's the problem with the pairs. That's, that's the, the one that makes support. more sense. So we're not going to do it. Right. Well, because people want to live on the beach. Yeah, well, it's beautiful. Or people want to live where they dug out some area to, mm -hmm. you know, fill up with water. 364 or... days out of the year, it's wonderful. That that last day, it blows my house down. But the rest of the time, really beautiful. Yeah, so this is how humans and this country have decided to zone and deal with life. And this is not how we're going to get through this resilient mode, which is where we need to be. I feel like the, the real thing is we need to be in the resiliency mode, but working towards transition because we need to save everything we can that seems like it's going to make it through. And then what do we do as we make that transition? So okay. that's what I'm going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say most of us aren't going to build seawalls in Miami. No. So, so how do we deal with our house, our lawn, our little patch of We'll stop Paradise. growing a lawn, but we talked about that before. <laughs> but that isn't really, that isn't where I think we have to start other than our consumption uh, planning and resiliency with that. I mean, under COVID, we can see that we, as a nation, we are not resilient. What we need to do is really assess how we might look at our environment overall. So we, maybe we have trees in our yard. Maybe we have, uh, we live next to a park. Um, so some of the things that, so let me talk about just the transition, which is the third item. I didn't mm -hmm. talk exactly about that, but this is to enable the system to respond to the changes and make the best of what passes through those changes. So a good example would be, we know from studies, from science studies, uh, and there are nine different models that are being used to look at these and assess how trees are going to manage the stress they're under right now. They're under stress from flooding, extreme weather events, drought, uh, insects, disease, yeah. all those things that are really bearing down on them now. And so we know that if we, um, if, if we save the old trees and certain types, certain species of the old trees, they will assist younger trees. And you're not talking about old species. You're talking about old trees, like yes, the grandmother tree. tree that's, that's right. And native forest. trees. Although some things we want to look at and say, you know, 
So as the temperatures rise, things are going to move north where it's cooler if they're used to being cool. But the problem is they don't have the time to do it because everything's happening so quickly. Well, somebody might, you know, somebody listening to you say this might say, okay, that's all new agey. You know, I mean, how does no, a tree save another tree? It's science. And, it's and total science. I did see something where, you know, they have all of these little, I don't, I forget the name, but the feelers that go, that go underneath and they they tend to interweave and communicate with each yes. other. And if one is wounded or, or sick in some way, they do attempt to send certain minerals and things their way. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a living, breathing thing. And it, to me, that is just so, just almost emotional to me to know that this is how life really works. So when you go into a forest and you cut down the grandmother tree or the grandfather tree, yeah. you're damaging a whole, a whole system. ecosystem, yes. not just yeah. a tree. But today, it's even more important to know that this is the issue because these trees, like uh, maple trees and beech trees, sugar maple trees and beech trees are probably not going to make it over the course of this transition. There's just no way. They don't have the time. They don't have the time to move further north. But we can plant trees further north and we can do more with it further north in areas that aren't going to experience a lot of drought. And we know where this drought is going to happen based on these nine science models. So, and it's a study of many, many years. And also what they see is absolutely there now. Okay, so if I'm following you, and I, I know you said move further north, and obviously trees don't pick up and move, but as a species over time, the climate becomes more adaptable for certain species. So you might find that a tree that as it's getting warmer globally, that was thriving in North Carolina begins to thrive in Ohio and then later That's in Michigan. Right. Or further later. up the hill or further up the mountain sure, and sure. birds carry seeds. And, and this has probably been happening since the dawn of time. It's well, just yeah. that things are happening faster Yeah, now. it's happening too fast. Another thing that's happening in this transition is um, the fact that uh, there has to be there has to be a, a a system in how we operate. You know, each region is different. So we have spring a certain time, summer a certain time, winter, blah blah blah. But the real problem is it's changing, and growing seasons are getting longer in most regions. Okay, well, I'm going to interrupt you for a second and remind everybody that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. And we want to once again remind everyone it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, thank God. Thank God. Well, I mean, we normally say thank God because our way of life is not sustainable, so things need to change. But in... In the words of, uh, you know, in the opinion of the maple trees, they may not be thinking, you know, no. the fact that things are changing. So, But they are changing, and now you're saying, okay, we have to perhaps help in some of this adaptation oh, that nature to. would we do. We have to. We have to educate ourselves, and we have to listen to the experts, mm -hmm. listen to science, and say... So, for example, if I lived further north or further up a mountain, maybe I would make sure I took sugar maple seeds and I started some trees. Or I made sure that sugar maple uh, seeds from here, I started some plants and I grow them for a nursery in another location. So we're spreading the species around with the idea that we might be able to rescue for at some level these trees because they're really important. But what I was starting to talk about before the break is the idea that as the seasons are changing, 
And again, I know this is negative, but it's also positive. It's the idea that we understand what's happening. So these are some things we can do about it. But we also know that there's a real problem in this transition that's happening now that so birds show up too early and this and the growing season's extended or they show up when they normally let me put it that way they show up when they normally do because they've been in the gulf of mexico and now they're in ohio and there's nothing to eat because the 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 for example the bees you know the the willows have already bloomed yeah and so there's a, the, everything's out of sync now not to say that that's not going to catch up but there's going to be a lot of dying off of species and um a, a lower population of these critters and insects so there are things we can do about that but like i know we notice every year less and less pollinators in our willows this year none sure uh, well, sometimes that, you go by those willow trees and, and they're, they're, they're all covered. In, it sounds like a chainsaw, you know, this yeah. little. I prefer the chorus. I think it sounds like a yeah, choir. Just was out there the other day. Zero. Nothing. Not a single bee. Yeah. Some of it also may be in our, in our region on the other ridge. There was a young guy who had a lot of hives and he has gone. He's left. So he may, the hives have may have died over the mm -hmm. winter because we did have a few more pollinators we do have wasps <laughs> we have lots of wasps and but there are lots of things that can pollinate the sure. wind can pollinate other insects crawling but it's just a sign that we're in that transition okay so one of the things you've mentioned is you know adapt your own planting behavior to the new normal it isn't just planting but it's just be, first of all make an assessment think about what's in your neighborhood what and read about this. It's it's out there. There's a lot of great stuff online that's easy to just go to Wikipedia. You'll see there's a lot of easy stuff to understand. It's not all written in science jargon. But doesn't this go against a little bit? You know, we always hear people say, oh, you should plant native plants. You should plant those things that are that grow there naturally. But that might be changing. You may have to say, okay, well, this plant used to grow here, but now the new native plant is something else well the goal would be to try to keep everything going that's the that's the resistance one but then to set aside so in our forest we're going to set aside some areas where some small areas where we would experience we would experiment with non-native plants or there may be some plants that can really complement other plants and help them get through this transition to through this transition period and so we would experiment with how that could work and keep good records and hopefully there are going to be a lot of people but there's a danger of course because you you could be the person known for introducing kudzu into yeah, into ohio i know that you know? but that's a whole nother issue and and mm -hmm. one of and one of the um one of the things that we need to be doing is to get rid of those invasives because they use up water where there's going to be too dry they use up resources in the soil and they kill off uh other plants that we need to grow so yeah. those things have to go but that's easier said than done i've been chopping multi-flora roses like forever all right but the government does have some programs now where they're working on that and if you just take a little at a time and that's what you've done going around snipping you know all kinds of things although grapevines maybe aren't the best thing to kill but definitely floribunda definitely um, 
Japanese honeysuckle. Bring the goats in, they'll eat it. They have really done a great job for us. So that's a great system. You know, a lot of people are, are looking at systems like that where the animal's gonna eat back or pigs, you know, all these animals that we domesticated are really forest animals and they could cattle, pigs, goats could really do a good job for us. And, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But what I wanna do is give some examples of um, ideas on adaptation. So one of them is incentivizing lighter colored roofs to reduce the heat island, island effect. And that would be going back to contractors and maybe even zoning and saying you can't have a black roof. It's just the heat off of that roof is unbelievable. And but, that's a problem for a lot of things, but you're saying yes. this would actually help with, with plant life in your yard as well because you're not with everything. reflecting off all this heat or, yeah. or creating an island. But it isn't that simple either because I've seen buildings where they planted the roof white and there were other buildings above that on a hillside and then now they have really ruined the real estate there because of the reflection so there has to be more than just let's have a white roof or let's have a light roof yeah, put solar panels on well that might work too mm -hmm. so adding air conditioning in public schools i know there are a lot of schools that shut down when it gets too hot when there's a an extreme weather event um, a heat wave or whatever because they don't have air conditioning so, but also building new schools in a different way using thermal mass and facing the right but, direction. But how does that help with your, with your plant life? It's not I just mean, about plant life. It's about changing. It's about building resistance. It's about saying we're going to survive this. Human beings got to get through this too. Yeah, and we don't want to contribute to the, the pollution. Um, anyway, changing heat to heat tolerant tree varieties. Mm -hmm. So if we're below the Great Lakes, we need to really be thinking about it's going to be a lot warmer. And it's not like it's going to be a lot warmer in the winter because of the polar vortex. And this is going to be an even more extreme weather event for lots of us. But we're going to have warmer summers as well. So and drier, mostly drier. And then adding green roofs to deal with rainwater and heat. So the so you're keeping a water or, or creating a way to collect the water from your building um, off of the roof of your house or your garage or whatever. So you have a backup water source for flushing the toilet if there's a problem or watering. I mean, if you're going to invest in, uh, in stocks, you should go into um, irrigation. <laughs> I want to say buy stock and irrigation companies. Mm -hmm. um, installing protective and resilient technologies and materials in properties that are prone to flooding. So working in your community to say, how can we deal with the fact that we're going to have flooding? So maybe it is widening the river, but it's probably a lot less than that because maybe that's not even a well, we've seen some of that where you have porous surfaces on, on parking lots and roadways right. where they can absorb the water rather That's than right. run it off. Because erosion is a huge problem mm -hmm. and it provides a, a huge amount of stress to the flora and fauna of the area once those floods occur. So rainwater storage um, and and like you just said, changing to more permeable, permeable. Uh, pavements and also uh, adding water buffing vegetation. So there may be uh, ways to use like bamboo or a plant like that. So that could be invasive, but it can be controlled um, to to deal with the the water area. 
that's kind of that's pooling and things like that um, adding underground storage tanks and also thinking about the fact with individual houses you know okay we're going to have a problem we know we're going to have a problem how do we have storage for water it's not just the bathtub when there's a hurricane uh, or the electricity goes out it really is about saying let's get serious about storing water well, that's, this is kind of an extension when we talk about the energy system of going to distributed energy systems. Now you're saying let's go to a distributed water management system, essentially. Yeah, that isn't know. sewer and government Yeah, we're, well, we've seen this where they pool all the resources, they make a huge industrial thing, and that, yeah, solves some problems, but it creates a whole new set of them. So we need in resiliency individual well, maybe, waste and maybe. water systems. Maybe, you know, we could just go back to the, to the old uh, system of the communities where villages have a central, even in Europe, you see it everywhere, where there's a central spring or a central water collection area where they could go and get water when they needed it. And so I'm not s suggesting that we want to always get our water that way. What I'm saying is that's a backup system that could be really, really helpful. Sure, and, um, and the idea of resiliency is, of course, you have backup. Yeah. So, so one of the systems that really has a lot of potential, and again, this is an old, this is the way the native people that lived on this land would have um, dealt with this, is silviculture. And that's a whole nother, it could be a whole nother podcast or radio show. But it really is about saying, how do we regenerate native species? Well, one of the things that we just mentioned earlier in this program was the fact that we, we could use cattle and pigs and goats to be regenerative because we could move them as a rotating, in a rotating system um, throughout a forest land and we could regenerate. It's amazing what happens when pigs are allowed to just go and root up rotted wood and new plants appear that weren't seen for 100 years. Uh, the, there's a project in England that's done amazing work with on a thousand acres. It doesn't have to be a thousand acres. It could be five acres. But to begin to think about how the land can be regenerated and not by spraying it with something, but through natural systems. And that's what silviculture sure. is. Sure. And silviculture, of course, specifically speaks of forest, forest gardening. That's right. Um, well, incorporate that into, into the forest. it. Because yeah. we think of agriculture, I think most people do of, of you know, big fields of corn and and soy, but really what, what this movement towards resiliency is, okay, let's integrate these things into existing ecosystems, right. as opposed to trying to change the ecosystem to make it easier to harvest or whatever. Well, that's, well, yeah, and to be bigger, bigger, bigger. So I just want to say before we finish is that I hope that we have more programs about this because, uh, well, mainly because I'm super interested, <laughs> but we're in the process of creating a forest food garden uh, in Blue Rock Station. And we saved our forest land until the end, for the most part, uh, the end of our sort of regenerative stuff we were doing with everything here. And we're getting ready to really make a forest garden. We're working with somebody from Cornell University and we're working with Give a Tree. So they're going to buy uh, a lot of trees for us and you can adopt a tree here. And where's Give a Tree? Where are uh, they? They're out of Spain. Uh, it's a global movement of food forests. So that's exciting to know that we're, that we're a part of something much bigger than us. And of course, the tree thing is really part of the uh, carbon sequestration movement. 
to pull yeah. com some of the CO2 out of the atmosphere. That's right. So trees, we, we can't possibly plant all the trees that need to be planted, meaning us as a society, but we can do our part. And, um, and so we'll be talking a lot more about Blue Rock Station food forest. And so what part of the resiliency, of course, is plant the right tree. You know, that just well, don't that's right. There. Don't stick any old tree because it's too important now. Like, you know, do your work or talk to people like me. I'm not an expert, but I could point you in the right direction. Sure. Um, and and ask the right ask questions. Don't even worry about whether it's the right question or not, because if you're going to plant a tree, let's plant the right one for your area. Because I remember years ago, my dad got some government thing where he planted like. 10,000 little pine trees, and, and within a year, I think there were like six of them. Well, the deer survived. were extremely happy yeah. that year to no, have such a good food source. Very well fed. Okay, well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our Emmy Award-winning producer, Adam Rich. Always, always a tree of strength. For us. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother probably told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is. She really did say plant the right tree in the right place. Mm -hmm. She really did. Bloom where you were planted. Yeah. Okay, all right. Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blurockstation.com. Yeah.